is live now. Um, this is the second episode of Cornelius Reads the Bible. And uh, in the last episode, I kind of started fleshing out why I thought it was important to do this podcast. Um, but in this podcast, I actually want to like uh, be more direct. Um, so for me, like uh, as a Christian, uh, Christ has been very important in my life from in everything that I've done um <clears throat> so um getting into Ivy League schools um getting into law school um making the switch to becoming a software engineer I've had like so many challenges um I've had like a lot of rough spots too uh and for me in those roughest spots and even in the, the highlights it's always been like the Stoics have this idea called the contemplation of the sage and this is something that Marcus Aurelius would do the Emperor of Rome where he would imagine uh, when he I mean when it came time for him to like make a big decision um, or he had a big decision on his plate he would imagine what one of his philosopher heroes would do. In his case, it was Zeno. So Marcus Aurelius would ask, what would Zeno do? Of course, like, um, in like modern culture, just, there's that expression, like, what would Jesus do? Which is essentially the same, same riff on the same idea. Like in any given setting, like how would Jesus respond? Like, um, yeah, if someone pulls a gun on you, like, how, how do you respond? Um, or someone wrongs you, how, how do you respond? Someone asks for forgiveness, how do you respond? And as a Christian, like, that is like, that is the mission, right? Is to try to be like this figure. Um, and so th this figure that Jesus, as we know him, is... Uh, described in the Synoptic Gospels and the other New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. And it really, these four, these represent like four accounts of this same story. Um, there's like a lot of scholarship onto like the historical accuracy or histori historicity of um, Christ. Um, and also, there are a bunch of unique nuances to each gospel in particular. Um, <clears throat> but again, for our purposes, for my purpose here, um, I think it's important just to kind of track the story a bit more because I think, again, uh, the point, the point is, uh, is, can be missed easily. Like people, you can fall victim to the idea of like what a good quote-unquote church person is like a good unquote church person isn't necessarily the same same thing as a good christian um in my opinion like someone that outwardly like like you know they they, they got the suits on every sunday they got the, the you know they talk in a certain way like yes yeah, brother so-and-so and brother so-and-so and this and that and they, they, you know, you play the, the church game, but that doesn't necessarily um, 
that's not necessarily what makes you a good Christian per se. And there are good Christians that never set foot or maybe never is a strong word, but uh, <clears throat> rarely set foot on Sunday service. Uh, because really it's just like how familiar with you, how familiar are you with these ideas and how well do you apply them on your, on a day-to-day -day basis? Um, let's see what else. So today I'm just gonna get right into it and I'm just gonna start off by actually reading the first chapter of Luke, the Gospel of Luke. And uh, before I get in, I guess I'll just talk a little bit about, because uh, I, I, I don't want to like go too deep into like the, the scholarship of it, because I, I don't think that's as important as just the story itself. Um, so at any point in the story, uh, if necessary, I'll, I'll look up certain things to make sure uh, the narration I give you is correct. Um, but for the most part, I'm just gonna kind of track it and just tell it, just tell it off the dome. Uh, and for the most part, I, I'm gonna do my best to actually not just recite the, the, the scripture itself to you, but rather I'm just gonna kind of paraphrase this again and kind of like break it down. Um, so with that said, I guess I'll get started. The Gospel according to Luke. Um, so I'm actually looking at my Bible right now. It's uh, it's this Bible that my minister, my the preacher of my hometown church, Doctor Perry C. Little, gave me this Bible. Um, I think it's Kojic Edition, celebrating 100 years Church of God in Christ Inc. Um, but I think it's, I think if I'm not mistaken, it's like King James translation. Let's see here. Let me make sure this is it. Actually, you know what? Uh, I actually got into a riff with my dad about this, but I, I don't think the translation is super important again. I, Cause I, I don't want to go into like, like you can't lose sight of the the forest for the trees. Um, so I think like thematically, uh, if, if it's King James translation or, or <clears throat> any other translation of the New Testament, um, you, know, you should be able to get about the same thing from it. Uh, but the author, Luke, it is Luke is generally ascribed to or attributed to uh, they call him Luke the physician but really in practice it is more of well there are two two uh, trains of thought on this it's that either Luke uh, you know was actually the person that wrote it Luke the physician and he's like has the original account and that it's traced from him, or it's that Luke is like a pin name, and it's just the pin name kind of is ascribed to this entire account. Um, <clears throat> probably is there. There probably was a Luke. They say Luke was the companion of Paul in the New Testament. Uh, 
in the so uh, in my case in my my guess is that uh you know probably was a Luke that did some some heavy lifting as far as this writing and the gospel according to Luke itself is actually the lo- the longest in all of the New Testament in fact um Luke acts are both attributed to the same author and together they make up a substantial portion of the New Testament so whoever Luke was was a prolific writer and um, unlike some of the other gospels the gospel according to Luke was aimed at Gentiles so uh, some people think Luke himself was a Gentile and that his purpose in writing it was actually to kind of show that um, that Christians can, can be cool and uh, empire type, like in the Roman Empire. Like, hey, like, we're not gonna, it's not gonna get too crazy out here. Um, <clears throat> but, I mean, regardless of that, um, it is generally, a lot, a lot of people are regarded as, like, the best well-written. Luke and Matthew are a lot of scholars also uh, recognize that both of those accounts are kind of derived from Mark. So the Gospel of Mark being the most original of um, Luke, Matthew, Mark. And I, I think it's important to think about it as kind of like a reboot. It's almost like the same story being told by different people. Like you got you have Star Trek and then you have J.J. Abrams' Star Trek. Like you have George Lucas' Star Wars and then you have J.J. Abrams' Star Wars. And kind of like the same thing with this. And because Luke has like an introduction to the, his account that is especially unique because it starts off it starts off saying like hey like uh, this is my paraphrase of the first five chapters he goes like hey like uh, this is pretty important and you know I essentially what he's saying is like I wanted to do my best to to give a full account based on all the eyewitnesses and ministers and people that saw this thing like I want to bring this thing to life and so this is an important piece of work for me but he's writing to the most excellent Theophilus. The most excellent Theophilus. Now, what Theophilus means in Greek translates to like friend of God or one who loves God. And what's interesting from another, another quirk in the scholarship is um, who is Luke writing to? Was he writing to an actual man named Theophilus? Like, like, uh, Theophilus, I can't remember, is it Thelonious Monk is what I think about, but Theophilus, was he writing to an actual man named Theophilus, or was he writing more generally to just anyone, like someone in the future, someone at that time, or someone in the time to come that, that loves God? And, you know, even if he was writing to, there was an actual guy named Theophilus that he's writing to, I mean, it couldn't have been the more perfect guy to write it to. Because when you start off, like, an account like that, it really makes the story, like, 
that much more personal to anyone that's like seeking God or anyone looking to build a relationship with God. The idea being that anyone that comes, it's almost like Publius, like um, the Federal Papers, like when James Madison and I can't remember who else, John, John, uh, I can't remember what John's last name is, but the, the people that made up Publius, the author of the Federalist Papers, they took on that same pen name. In the same way, Theophilus is the name that is given to us, perhaps, as just readers of, of this account. And I think that's pretty cool. So it's like, yeah, you, you are kind of like who you are, but in the end, you're just someone else that loves God and just wants to do, be the best you can. And uh, <clears throat> pretty good writing. And so uh, essentially, it starts off with... Uh, there's actually this little bit of a backstory. So, you know, I, I started Star Wars recently, uh, Force Awakens. And sometimes, you know, the Star Wars, when they, before the story gets going, they have that little bit of exposition. Kind of get you, kind of set the table a little bit. Kind of give, like, some perspective to what's happening here. And that's kind of what's happening right now. Um, because it starts, the story actually starts off with a man named... Zacharias, they say he's. Uh, this is these in the days of Herod, the king of Judea. And uh, there was a priest named Zacharias, and uh, he had a wife named Elizabeth. And they, and here they they go back and they track like their ancestry, like up to you know people that knew Moses. I, I think he says of the daughters of Aaron. And I'm guessing that's there's there's an Aaron that knew Moses. Uh, uh, that that can't be actually, but I know it's commonplace in the Bible for, and they they're probably gonna do it more. Like they trace lineage like all the way back to like David, and so I'm not sure what's going on here. But the big thing is there's a dude named Zacharias, and he has a wife named Elizabeth, and they you know they were both doing the best they could try to to try to be uh to try to be good in the sight of god to try to like do good things and not act like they had some sense uh and you know what that means just act like you got some sense and <clears throat> they didn't have any children because uh, elizabeth couldn't have any children or at least that's what they thought at the time like they didn't have like that in vitro that's what Kim Kardashian just got. Like they didn't have none of that fertility drugs or whatnot. They didn't have no science behind it. So yeah, it could have been that Elizabeth was barren. It might have also just been that Ze Zacharias just wasn't working hard enough. And you know, um, that just is what it is, you know? Um, so they were really trying to have a kid, but you know, they're, they're trying to blame on Elizabeth. It wasn't working out. And uh, they had to do something about it. And so, you know, Zacharias went to went to the temple or whatever. And he burned some incest. And when he got to the incest and he was praying or whatnot, an angel appeared before him. And I think it's Gabriel. But Zacharias saw this angel. He was, he was afraid. And um, the angel said to him, hey, man, just, just be cool. 
don't don't worry. Like uh, your wife's gonna have a kid. You should name him John, and that's gonna be really cool. And he uh, <clears throat> says, yeah, he's gonna be super cool, and he shall, he's not gonna drink, and uh, he's gonna be great. He's gonna be really close to God, and he's gonna convert a lot of people to God, and he's going to minister to a lot of people and uh, he's going to help a lot of people spiritually essentially that's what this angel is telling Zacharias at the temple so Zacharias says back to this dude he's like <clears throat> hey man uh, how do you know this I'm old and again sometimes when you get old you can't you can't make them babies like like you you know like you have to like they always talk about like women having a clock but truthfully older you get like it's gonna get harder to make babies so you got Zechariah here he's saying I'm an old man and my wife is also old that's that's the problem right there and um, the angel says back to him hey man hey God told me to tell you this like hey uh, yeah, get ready for the kid. And by the way, uh, you're not gonna be able to talk uh, until these, the day that these things shall be performed, because thou believest not my words, which shall be fulfilled in their season. And so everyone's waiting for Zacharias outside, and when he comes out, he can't speak to them because the angels told him that the angel told him he wouldn't be able to speak until. Um, he actually had the kid and you know that's that's pretty interesting um way to describe it but also sometimes in life you know like um sometimes you can't talk about it you just got to be about it so Zechariah's couldn't it's almost like you have like something something good coming up or you have you're about to drop an album like you don't want to tell them why you're working on the album you just kind of want to keep it on the low and uh, then just like, boom, here it is. And I think that's what Zacharias is doing. Like he's going to the studio. He probably left that temple. He's like, all right, I got to go put in some work. And um, yeah, he just, it's like determined. And so um, basically he got the job done and uh, they had the kid and they gave birth to uh, to, uh, to John let's see over here actually hold on I gotta read this right so after those days his wife she had the baby she, excuse me she conceived um, and then in the sixth month it says the, the angel Gabriel the same angel was sent to Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. That's what I'm talking about when they do all that ancestry stuff. Essentially, so Gabriel, after he talked to Zacharias, he's like, all right, let me go over here and talk to Joseph very quick. And the angel came in. He says, uh, hey, she's about to give birth to Jesus. And the angel said, don't worry, it's cool. Um, she was like, how did I get pregnant? He's like, yeah, you're about to give birth to Jesus. And um, he's hype. Yeah, it's pretty. It's a lot of hype going on. Like he's like, yeah, Jesus. He's he's gonna be the son of the highest. He's gonna be like, yeah. It's almost like, yeah, this is the one right here. Um, 
And then Mary said to the angel, like, you know, like, how is this happening? Like, I didn't, I haven't really, I haven't really uh, had sex and like that yet. And uh, he's like, hey, man, the angel's like, hey, don't worry about that. And um, for with God, nothing shall be impossible. Actually, he tells her that her cousin Elizabeth in this in this account, Elizabeth and Mary are cousins apparently. He's like, yeah, your cousin got uh, has a, got conceived of a son in her old age, and you're about to have one too. And Mary was like, yeah, that's cool. So then Mary went over to Elizabeth's house, and uh, when they got in there, um, they said Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Now, in in the Black Church. They say when you get filled with the Holy Ghost, uh, you know, people say you speak in tongues or shout, dance, or whatever. But I think the best way to describe it is that, you know, like uh, she's just celebrating and um, she kind of lose sense of like people judging you or whatnot. And she's just expressing her joy in this moment. And, um, you know, they're, they're, just, they're just super happy at this point. And, uh, and they're, they're really just testifying. And they're just like, hey, this is great. So then Elizabeth gives birth to John. And um, that he, has, he was circumcised. And when they, they ask him what the name is or what his name is, uh, his mother answered, uh, they asked his mom, Elizabeth, like, what's the baby's name going to be? And she said, John. And they said to her, there's none of your family that's named John. And so they motioned to the daddy, Zacharias, and he asked for a writing table and wrote, his name is John. And his mouth was opened immediately. And the scripture says, his tongue loosed and he spake and praised God. So finally, Zechariah has been on this fast, <clears throat> this fast of words since, the, since the, this angel appeared to him. And in this moment, when the baby is born and the baby is named John, he breaks his fast and just is thankful. Is just thankful. And, um, Let's see what else they say. And they say, And fear came on all that dwelt round about them, and all these things were noised abroad throughout the hill country of Judea. And all they heard that heard them led, What manner of child shall this be? And they're like, Hey man, this baby is like, it's almost like, um, like they're hyping him up. It's like a LeBron type situation here. Like coming into the league, like, hey, what's gonna what's gonna happen right here? And so this first chapter is really just like laying the standard. John the Baptist is is a big figure in the story of Christ because he kind of comes before Jesus, and Jesus loves John, and um, John actually baptizes Jesus. Um, so he's a, he's gonna play a central part in this narrative, but really. That makes up the first 
chapter. So I'm going to actually stop here at this point. I'm not sure if there's more else I can say. Actually, before I, before I stop here, I'll just say, like, again, um, in the previous podcast, like, I kind of went described in academic terms why I think it's important to to discuss this New Testament, namely being that I think people, there is a sizable population of Christians. Actually, and I mentioned this in the podcast, the, the, the first and foremost reason that I'm doing this, of course, is just to understand better myself. Like, as a Christian, like, um, we want to model ourselves in the image of Christ because we, we like say like, hey man this dude is bad it's almost like if you're a basketball player you want to like work out like Kobe you want to work out like Jordan same thing with Jesus like on a day to day basis it's like hey I kind of want to like you know like when you got Mother Johnson or whoever at church is like I'm trying to be like Jesus like that's her way of saying like she's trying to put in that work and uh but So for me, like, the first reason to do this is just to, like, enhance my own understanding of it. I've never read, I've never read a single account, let alone all four, from front to back, personally. And I think that, like, I think as Christians, like, you go to church or whatever, but if you haven't tracked it from, if you haven't tracked an account from start to finish, and if you're not familiar with different versions of the the account of Christ, um, and if you aren't familiar with some of the parables and teachings that Christ is describing, and these t- these teachings that are attributed to him through the Gospel of Luke, they're t- they're typically like in red red ink in these Bibles. Like if you if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you know, Christ's words are generally described in like red ink, and they trace these teachings from like old documents a lot of scholars think there was like a manuscript called the q where they just where they kept track of all of jesus sayings um but if you haven't fully tracked the story then you're only really walking on an idea of what a great christian is and you can't you're you're missing levels of wisdom to what what Christ is offering here, because just like any good book, like you can meet a book at different levels in your life. Like you can read a book one time and get something out of it, and then read it years later and get something different out of it. Like your perspective is what enhances your understanding of the art. And uh, this case is certainly no different, especially because Jesus speaks and. And these great, great parables. And they say that storytelling is the most ancient form of problem solving. And I kind of mentioned this in the previous podcast. Uh, The idea being like, hey, like, it's almost like you can imagine um, in the caveman times, like if they see a snake and a snake bites a man and he dies someone that is witness to that will go back and draw a snake biting the man and that's 
that's the story version of saying, hey, watch out. Like, this snake will tear your ass up. And that's kind of like a story. It's a problem-solving mechanism. Now, the stories and parables that Jesus is describing, and I'm just going to kind of skip ahead and just do one. Uh, my favorite, actually, is the parable of... I have many favorites. And I probably shouldn't be skipping ahead like this. But uh, let me see here. My favorite is actually the parable of the adulterous woman. And the way that goes is uh, essentially Jesus is chilling in the temple. And at, at this time, like Jesus has kind of already been like going from city to city, kind of like teaching people, cha challenging the establishment and challenging the way church people at the time practiced church. So Pharisees, like ministers at the time, Jesus challenged the way that they practiced their religion, uh, and he felt like it it missed all the most important parts about compassion and love and forgiveness and all that and um, mercy. And so they bring to Jesus at one time. Jesus is chilling in the in the temple and. Um, all these ministers and people all these holier than thou type people bring this woman who cheated on her husband to Jesus and they say Jesus like this woman was found to have committed adultery uh, what's the punishment now these people also knew that like the punishment for adultery was stoning That's, that was what they had ascribed to Moses and Moses issued out the Ten Commandments but you know he, he didn't say nothing about stoning people there ain't nothing about stoning people in the Ten Commandments like that's something that people like a man-made institutions put on it um, and so the way Jesus responds to them is it's kind of like um it's kind of just, it's, it's timeless. So he, so he says, yeah, uh, it's stoning. And then he goes, yeah, but he who was without sin cast the first stone. And so all these people got rocks and stones in their hand and they're ready to stone this woman to death. And he goes, he who is without sin cast the first stone. And the truth is none of those people were sinless. Like they'd all done stuff so they leave and they drop their rocks walk away now it's just him and this woman and she asks he asks this woman hey look around does anyone condemn you and she says no and he says uh, I don't either and he, then he says go and sin no more but um, that is really just how I guess how radical that is like understand like in the church today like uh, the church at any point in time the church is great uh, you should go to church you, you learn about you learn about God a little bit exposed to it but to understand the church is its own thing um, and it'll eat you whole I, I had a girl tell me at some point that she had nightmares of uh, going to church people stabbing her and it might have been the case that like she felt like they were 
that that's part of like the rebirth process and like they're killing who you are and they're trying to like change you all that but it's, it's a horrifying idea right to go to church and you, you're having dreams about people like attacking you but that's the truth like the, the church is a lot of good but it's also like a lot of like mm, a lot of hearsay and you know people like pretending to facially be this thing but behind closed behind closed doors they're not and it's one thing to like it's it's like no one is perfect right but it's one thing to know you're not perfect and don't and not present yourself as being not perfect it's another thing to like present yourself as perfect when you're not and then you put the burden of being perfect on someone else when you're not perfect yourself that's like all those like senators, the uh, Republican senators that I remember when I was growing up, like they they like go on rants about gay people and how they didn't want gay marriage or whatnot. But then you catch those same guys like in the bathroom, you know, um, suck a dick. And um, nothing wrong with that, but uh, you can't be like judging. You can't. You can't like outwardly judge someone more harshly for something that you're also doing. That's like an, it's hypocrisy, and no one is growing from that. No one's getting better from that, and it's not true. Um, it's dishonest. It's fundamentally dishonest. And so, <clears throat> anyway, so but those are the types of stories that Christ talks in. And um, we'll get to some more of that in chapters to come. Uh, but really, we're just hyping it up. This is just chapter one. Or before we get to the good stuff, I'll come at you tomorrow with chapter two. All right, signing off.